Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes. You're listening to the newest talk radio show in your area. Thank you. Thank you for being here. If you'll stay with me, it'll be 30 minutes of motivation, some information, a whole lot of education. And we do all of this with no manipulation, no hidden agendas, because we're not trying to solicit membership. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're not going to ask you for anything. My job is to give you something. I'm here to give you some accurate information. Information which I pray will help you verify as well as identify God's plan for your life. And if you can do that, then you have the freedom and the privacy to orient and adjust to the plan. That's always up to you. But my job is to be accurate and to get it right. And so through our show, The Flot Line, if you've never heard that term before, let me explain what it means. Do you remember in the Bible, if you're a Christian, maybe you do, you remember Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about putting on the armor of God, and he uses a military analogy for the believer. The breastplate of righteousness, picking up the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith. Remember that? Well, the flat line is the same thing. It's a military analogy. And what we're talking about here is a forward line of troops, F-L-O-T. And we're using that as an example, telling you that there are at least 10 problem-solving devices that you can learn from God's Word and deploy in the forward compartment of your soul like a forward line of troops. And if you learn them and use them, you can stop the outside sources of adversity before they ever become the inside source of stress. That's because adversity is definitely inevitable, uh, but stress is definitely optional. Adversity is, in fact, what circumstances do to you, and stress, well, that's what you do to yourself. So as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, the spiritual life guarantees that you don't have to worry, you don't have to be afraid, you don't have to seek revenge, you don't have to be bitter, you don't have to be jealous, you don't have to be envious, you don't have to be implacable. These, is, these, are, these are things that the world can't get away from. And yet you, as a Christian, by means of God the Holy Spirit, have a totally different mindset. It's called a um, mind of Christ in the Bible. In Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. I call it thinking divine viewpoint. There are two ways to think, I often say, thinking human viewpoint. That was what does the world say, what does the world offer? Or you can think divine viewpoint, what does God say, what does he offer? And I have found in my life, if you think divine viewpoint, that you're going to be a lot better off. That's why Romans 12.3 says, stop thinking of yourself in terms of arrogance beyond what you should think, but think in terms of humility as God has given to us a standard of thinking from his word. That's a sort of a modified, expanded translation of that passage, but arrogance is the enemy of all believers. Arrogance is rarely preached on, rarely spoke about. We talk about sin a lot, but we don't talk much about arrogance, which is sin. Arrogance is always identified by three things. You can tell when a person's being arrogant when they justify why they're right and you're wrong. Self-justification is, you can see it in a school where a kid says, well, my teacher doesn't like me, so I don't have to do my homework, or my parents unfair, so I don't have to come in at night. They always come up with some sort of, some way to justify why they're right and everybody else is wrong. 
And then self-justification leads to self-deception. And self-deception is when now they begin to lie to themselves. And then self-deception leads to self-absorption. And this is where you totally get preoccupied with what is it, whatever it is that you're doing. And uh, self-absorption will eventually, if you don't stop it, will lead to self-destruction. So you can say an alcoholic, a drug addict, uh, an unfaithful person, they justify why it's okay to do what they do. They deceive themselves into thinking that it's not wrong. They begin to be absorbed with it, and eventually they let it destroy them. And so the spiritual life combats that sort of stuff. If you will, in fact, listen to these 10 problem-solving devices and learn them, then you'll be able to overcome these sort of difficulties in your life. And I started off with the first one. Last week on this radio show, I started off with the problem of sin. We all have sin. We're all related to Adam, and we all have a sin nature. And having a sin nature causes us to sin. And we saw that sin can be mental attitude sin. It can be a sin of the tongue. It can even be an overt sin. And we saw that when the Christian sins, he breaks fellowship with God. By this, I mean he quenches God's Holy Spirit that lives in him, and he grieves God's Holy Spirit, which is there to assist him and help him. As a matter of fact, the Lord Jesus Christ said, when I go away, I'm going to send my spirit, and he will be your tutor. Well, I mean, he can't help you if you quench him. Uh, That's like taking a garden hose and bending it so the water won't come out. When you quench the Holy Spirit, your prayers are not effective. Because the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So you can be praying all you want to, but if you have quenched the Holy Spirit by having unconfessed sin in your life, then your prayers are not going to be answered. And I can hear you already saying, I can't remember every sin I do. Well, heck, nobody can. And that's why the verse in 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to purify us from all all wrongdoing. You just name any sin you're aware of, and even the ones you've forgotten about, God will cleanse you from those as well. But if you have unconfessed sin in your life, you have quenched the Holy Spirit, grieved the Holy Spirit, and you're out of fellowship with God, yes, you're still in the relationship, yes, you're going to heaven. Even if you died with that unconfessed sin in your life, you're going to be in heaven, but you're not going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, that's for sure. Because in your arrogance, you justified why it was okay to keep doing that. So you can't let arrogance destroy you. This is exactly what Satan used to appeal to Eve. He used her arrogance. And he told her that God just doesn't want you to be as smart as he is. Go ahead, take a bite of that thing. It's okay. And in her arrogance, she justified why it was okay to disobey her husband, Adam, and go ahead and take of the forbidden fruit. This spiritual life is really a unique thing we have. It requires we follow protocol, which means that a right thing has to be done in a right way. If you don't do a right thing in a right way, then it's wrong. For example, uh, go back to prayer. Is it right to pray? Yes, you should. Is there a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray? Yes, there is. Because if you're praying with unconfessed sin in your life, it's not going to get answered. Because the Holy Spirit, who's designed to intercede for you in prayer, according to Romans 8, he can't do it. If you go to church with unconfessed sin in your life, you're in the right place, but you're in the wrong way. You've quenched and grieved the Holy Spirit, and the pastor can't communicate to you. In other words, he may teach a fantastic message, but God the Holy Spirit cannot help you cycle that truth into your soul 
because you quenched and grieved the Holy Spirit with unconfessed sin in your life. And so look at it this way. If Deacon Smith is on the front row and Deacon Jones is on the other side and they hate each other, they can't stand each other, and the pastor calls on one of them to get up and pray and he gets behind the pulpit and prays a wonderful prayer, well, it might have sounded nice, but it didn't go above the ceiling because he had sin in his heart. He had mental attitude, sin of hatred, implacability, hostility, and it's a complete opposite of what Ephesians 4 says, 30, 31, 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And you can't forgive someone, you're so angry and so bitter, and you carry that in your soul, that's a sin. And so the Christian life requires you to deal with sin. You must. And so as we study this show, as we go through these 10 problem-solving devices, I'm just beginning to scratch the surface. I don't know if you'll stick with me or not. By the way, I have a book about this. It's called Christian Problem Solving. And uh, if you'll contact me, I'll send it to you free. It's no charge ever for anything that we do. We never charge. We never send you anything else unless you request it. But Christian Problem Solving will list all 10 of these problem-solving devices. And the first one is rebound, recovering from sin. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me, so let's get rid of it. Let's name it. If we confess our sin, confess is the Greek word homo legeo, means to name, to cite, to say. It doesn't mean to promise God you'll never do it again, because you probably will. It just means to admit it. When you admit it, he's faithful and just to forgive you. So these problem-solving devices, they have been given to you by God, all 10 of them, because every problem in life has a solution, and that solution is stated in the Word of God. The three things that you will have to deal with in your life, first of all, adversity. Adversity, and most of that usually is self-induced. Prosperity, that's a real test that a lot of people fail. And death, dealing with death. How do you handle death? And so these are problems that you must learn to handle. And so 1 Corinthians 2.12 says we've been given the Spirit of God so that we may know the things God has provided for us freely. No charge. Doesn't cost anything. You don't have to buy the book. Just accept it and learn it from your pastor as he teaches it to you. So every problem we face it was known by God in eternity past. Even in millions of years ago, God knew who you would be. He knew all about you. That's why he's God. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. And he provided the solution for any problem you may have. And, for example, the Supreme Court of Heaven is open 24 hours a day. So if you feel you got ripped off in some way or another, you want to seek revenge, that's the wrong thing to do. You just take it to the Supreme Court of Heaven and give it to the Father and walk away and let God handle it because the justice of God can do a lot better job than you can. So protocol, protocol is required when we address or deal with God. A right thing must be done in a right way. Even in the Old Testament, there was protocol involved in the ritual of worship. There was protocol involved in the ritual of sacrifice. You couldn't just walk into the Holy of Holies. You couldn't do that. You'd die on the spot. And here's the amazing thing. The Holy of Holies, where the Lord Jesus Christ himself indwelled, 
is now in you, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You are now the temple of God. So the Shekinah glory of the Old Testament lives in you. That ought to wake you up. Yeah, absolutely, he lives in you. That's why it's the mystery of the church. You're now a member of the body of Christ. So as we study protocol, one thing you must remember is that it requires faith to live the Christian life. So here's problem-solving device number one, rebound, confessing your sins. And here's problem-solving device number two, the filling of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit must be there if you're going to live the Christian life. Ephesians 5.18 tells you, be filled with the Spirit. That's not a request. That's a mandate. The Bible tells you the flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh. And if we'll walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. How am I filled with the spirit? When you rebound, you are indwelled with the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. You're filled with the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. And when you commit that first sin, you don't lose the sealing and you don't lose the indwelling. You lose the filling because you quench him. And so when you go to God and admit your sin, then you are restated. You resume your spiritual life. You are filled with the Spirit. Anytime you go to God and name a known sin, you are instantaneously filled with the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean you're instantaneously a mature believer. That's a different situation because spirituality and maturity are two different things. Spirituality is you being filled with the Holy Spirit. So your pastor cannot be more spiritual than you. If he's filled with the Holy Spirit and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's the same Holy Spirit, so you're both spiritual. But he might be more mature than you, which means he has more content of God's Word in his soul than you do. And that's what growing up spiritually means, to get the content of the Word of God in your soul. That's why the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's why it says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a mandate to grow spiritually, to grow up and become a mature believer. So once we understand how to rebound, and once we understand how to walk in the Spirit every time we rebound, then we come to the first problem-solving device that's really essential. It's called faith rest, using faith. You can't operate in the Christian life without faith. The Lord Jesus Christ did this. In Matthew chapter 4, when he began his public ministry and he was tested and tempted by the devil in the wilderness, he used the faith rest drill. He quoted scripture, 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 every time Satan tested him. Now, if you want to crack the sound barrier... I never have done it. I tried it a few times as a kid in my old fast Mustang, but I couldn't quite get up that fast. But if you want to crack the sound barrier, it requires some really excessive speed. But to uh, crack the faith barrier, then it requires that you stand absolutely still. Exodus 14, 13, Moses told those Jews who were fleeing out of Egypt, running from the Pharaoh, he said, stand still and watch what God is about to do. Standing still is using the faith rest drill. Ephesians 6 says, pick up the shield of faith with which you can quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. 
The shield of faith is the content of the word of God you have in your soul. Faith comes by hearing, the Bible says, and hearing by the word of God. If you don't know the word of God, you have no faith. It's not like a choo-choo saying, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. It is you quoting scripture, you knowing scripture. That's where your strength comes from. That's the conviction comes from. That's where the, uh, in, in, the encouragement comes from, from the scripture. So there's no work, no movement involved at all when you're using faith. You just believe and trust the Lord and keep on believing and keep on trusting and keep on waiting. So if you've trusted in Christ to save you, and maybe you did, that's the biggest event in your entire life, can you now trust him for the necessary uh, needs and to face the problems and the difficulties that you may have in everyday life? If you trusted him to save you, can you do it, trust him for these things? To handle any need, any problem, any difficulty? I mean, are there some real answers for all of our heartaches? All of our problems, all of our adversities, all the frustrations, are there real answers? Yes, there are real answers. Yes. Listen to what Jesus Christ our Lord said. These things I've spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I overcame the world. Sure, you're going to have tribulation trials, testings, temptations. This is not your home. You, you don't live here. You know, if you're on a trip, you can't wait to get back home in the comfort and security and safety of your home rather than that goofy motel room. But this is not your home. Your home is in heaven. You are a sojourner. You are passing through. So, listen, yes, there's answers while you're on the road here on planet Earth in what I call this arena of contention. Yes, there is provisions for you. Salvation not only means that you're going to heaven, sure it means that, absolutely. But it also means that you uh, can have stability and you can meet every problem and every difficulty with tranquility in your life. Because it's only when you're in the place of hopelessness, helpless, that you can then see the extraordinary power and the extraordinary grace of God. When there's no human solution, when you're numb from the shock or the pressure, and you can't even pray sometimes. Romans 8.26 says the Spirit intercedes for us in prayer with groanings that cannot even be heard. Sometimes he intercedes for us in prayer. But not, not if you have unconfessed sin in your life. He can't. He's quenched and grieved. Yeah, you have to be filled with the Spirit for the faith rest drill to work. Faith rest drill requires the filling of the Holy Spirit because it's only in desperate situations that you can avail yourself to God's perfect provisions and enter into his perfect peace. In Exodus 17, 1, according to the commandment of the Lord, the Lord led them to a place. Was he now going to abandon them? He delivered them from Egypt through the Red Sea and now to this place called Rephidim, there was no water, Rephidim, there was no water to drink. That was a test. It's an opportunity to trust God's perfect provision, enter into the perfect rest. And people got mad at Moses and cursed him and scolded him and chided him. Sounds like what doing in politics today when they're mad at each other. 
They complained and they criticized and then they hit the panic button and they tempted God. In a time of crisis, there's always people that are going to complain. Sure, God never intended for you to complain in a time of crisis in your life. When we complain, when we criticize in a time of crisis, then we demonstrate our unbelief and our failure to trust him. So Moses prayed to the Lord, and he, he, he didn't enter into rebuttal or argument with those people in, in, uh, in, in Exodus 17. He just went to the Lord, and he prayed. He didn't argue with them. He didn't try to justify why they were there. He went right to the Lord for help. You see, he was a leader. He did not criticize, complain, gripe. He was a quiet, strong, steady, quality professional. And he could trust the Lord moment by moment. And he went before that mob and he said, I stand before you all upon this rock. And that's a typology. The rock that he was talking about was a picture of Christ. The rock being smitten for our sin, 1 Corinthians 10.4, that rock was Christ. And Moses did exactly what God told him to do. And water came out of the rock. If you will harden your hearts, as in the day of provocation, Psalm 95, 8 through 11, don't harden your hearts. This is failing to use a faith rest drill. Being provocation, that's, a, that's an old English word, you know. We don't hear it much. But it means the same as a choice. Uh, and it's the, it's the same word as meribah to choose, a choice, to chide, to complain. And so, fear not. It's interesting. Today, I will hear his voice. Fear not. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. I'm your God. Isaiah 41.10. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. First Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. In Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. And he will never suffer the righteous to be moved. Proverbs 3, 5, again, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. This is all faith rest. Trust in the Lord. Cast your burden on the Lord. Cast your cares on the Lord. Don't be afraid. Hebrews 3, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. If you will hear his voice. Well, how do you hear the voice of God? You go out and stand under a pecan tree? Stand under an oak tree and listen for a voice? No. You hear the voice of God through the scripture. God speaks through his word. God has moment by moment promises. And he will put you and me in places of testing just to see if we'll believe them. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us that. There's no testing overtaking us. It's not common to man. So what is the real strength in the Christian life? It's faith. Using the faith rest drill. Standing still in God's gracious provisions. Moment by moment resting on his word. Not looking left, not looking right, not getting into a panic, not chiding and complaining to the preacher, not griping and plaining to God. It's mixing God's promises with your faith. So here we go. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. How many of them do you know? How many of them can you claim? Because that's your, that's your cash. That's where you get your strength from. 
Those promises are what the faith rest drill is built upon. They are. If you don't know them, how can you use them? The most difficult stage for the Christian to achieve is you or me being happy. And it's one of those problem-solving devices that I'll talk to you about, sharing the happiness of God. But in this world, it's harder to be happy as a Christian than to be happy as an unbeliever, temporarily. <laughs> but people who trust Christ, often they shoot themselves down. They deviate. They get into all sorts of ideas and activities and, and miss the perfect resting place that God has designed for each one of us. They go down the my way highway. They get distracted by the devices of the devil and discouraged. So the faith rest drill, Hebrews 4.2, the word they heard did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. If you don't believe it, it can't help you. The promises of God's word can only profit you if you mix it with faith. And this involves you knowing them and you believing them. Hebrews 4.3, for we who have believed do enter into rest. That's the faith rest drill. So many believers spend their whole life seeking elusive thing called happiness. They spend money they don't have to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't even like. Isn't that crazy? We're all trying to find something that will give us a stimulation, some sort of satisfaction, uh, some peace and blessing. But the more we search for it under our own power, the more we reject what God has provided for you. God has given you a life of happiness. My joy, Christ said, I give to you. And it starts by living the faith rest drill. That takes the monkey off your back and puts the monkey on the Lord's back. It lets him handle that. So think about this. I'm going to come back next week, same time, same place. And I hope you'll be with me. And uh, the, the announcer at the end of the show will tell you how to contact me. If you'd like to contact me, I'll always write back or respond. Don't send money. We're not asking you for money. But uh, we'd love to hear from you if the Lord is dealing with you or teaching you something. We're not through with this faith rest drill. There's more to talk about, a lot more to talk about. So hang with me, okay? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the first problem-solving device, rebound. The second problem-solving device, the filling of the Holy Spirit. The third problem-solving device, the faith rest drill. There are seven more to learn, but we're not through with number three yet. Way do you see how these form a tremendous forward line of troops in your soul to protect you from the outside sources of adversity? Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for being with me on The Flatline. Thank you for listening to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100 Cropwell, Alabama 35054 or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.